is Perspectives. The show where conversations about our differences often show us how much we have in common. I'm Condis Presley. I'm very excited about today's program. We're going to talk to actress and Atlanta native Jasmine Guy. You know her from a different world. But we will talk about her new film, The Ladymakers, a movie that was shot right here in Atlanta. But today we begin with America's original art form, music. We know that music has the unique ability to transcend age, gender, and culture. Atlanta's nonprofit, Jazz Matters, seeks to highlight the diversity and cultural roots of jazz music with the return of the Jazz Matters concert series at the Wren's Nest. Joining me now are famed jazz bass instrumentalist Edwin Williams and his wife Janice. Together, they lead Jazz Matters. Thank you so much for being with us. Thank you for having us. Thank you. What can you tell us about the concert series? Well, this year, this is our seventh annual Jazz Matters at the Wren's Nest, and we're excited about presenting Mr. Barry Richmond, Mina Finney, and Luhan Lowe. These are some amazing um, musicians. That's Marla Finney. Marla Finney. See, he always has to correct me because I get these names incorrect because I, I just get them incorrect and I apologize for that. But there's some amazing artists. We're excited about presenting them to you. Luan is new to the Atlanta area and you guys are going to love her. You're absolutely going to love her. And Edwin, talk a little bit about Barry because Barry's an awesome guitarist. Okay, Barry Richmond is his name. He's actually been a longtime musician here in Atlanta. Played with a lot of uh Big known pop and rock stars. Uh, great, he has a great uh, blues band now, uh, and he also does jazz blues. Uh, but I've been knowing him for quite a while, almost about the time I got here back in the 70s. And uh, Barry is, uh, like I said, he's pretty much uh, uh, an institution within himself. What led you to create the nonprofit Jazz Matters? Um, Jazz Matters was created by Edwin Williams. Edwin was playing at Dante's Down the Hatch for over 23 plus years. And when Dante's closed, he realized the landscape for jazz had changed a little bit. And especially in the school system, the way they were taking so much of the music out of the schools. And he wanted to do his part to ensure that jazz continued. And he started Jazz Matters. And we started off with our first concert at the West End Performing Arts Center. And we had a gentleman that would come every month and just enjoy the music. And he approached us and said, have you guys ever thought about doing an outdoor series? We said, no, but we'll try. And we started our Jazz Matters at the Wren's Nest in, in July of 2016. And we wanted to ensure that the series appealed to people who love jazz, people who like jazz, or some that were just not sure. So we had themes. So we start off our series with jazz, blues, and barbecue. And then the next one would be... Um, experiencing jazz um, soul style. So we want to introduce the public to jazz and the genres that have influenced jazz. And on our Latin, when we experienced jazz Latin style, we had world music. And what we did, we had salsa lessons before the concert. So people got to dance during the concert. And that's and so many people don't understand jazz is fluid, it's ever flowing. And they're listening to jazz and not even know it. And much of the music, especially for the young people, because that's our target audience, we want to make sure it stays alive. They don't realize a lot of hip hop and rap artists are sampling jazz riffs. They don't know that. And so we want to introduce them to that music and say, it's your music, it's our music, and we want you to create, get involved with it, keep it um, going and create. Edwin Williams, how were you introduced to the art of jazz music? Uh, actually, I was introduced to jazz when I was in the, uh, what you would call it middle school, uh, uh, about the eighth grade. Uh, my band director and uh, 
wanted me to play when he found out that I actually played bass. He was like, he was like real excited about it. So he says, look, I got a band. And uh, do you know this song? Do you know that song? And of course he was telling me about jazz songs. And I've always heard a lot of the stuff he was talking about, but I never had to play it. You know, I was playing other things. And so I jumped into it with both feet for the most part and began doing a lot of listening. And then the older musicians, uh, I learned a lot just by being, being uh, snuck into jam sessions uh, where I wasn't supposed to be, but I was there. And, uh, and the thing is, uh, I learned a whole lot on the ground from there, you know? So I, basically I was introduced, you know, by my uh, band uh, instructor to jazz. My father was the one that actually started me on the instrument. But when it came to jazz, I had some friends around as well as my band director that pretty much uh, saw that I had the potential, let's say it like that. When did you know that you were going to be able to turn this potential into a lifelong profession? I mean, your session, you've played with some of the greats. Well, I knew that I was going to turn it into a profession when I was, I think, around in the 11th grade, because um, that was all I could think about, believe it or not. Uh, uh, the the uh, We had this day where we had to figure out what we we're going to do after school and everything. And mine was going to be music. And uh, I used to have these different, uh, uh, you know, I guess you would call them daydreams of, about performing in different countries and so forth. And lo and behold, it all happened. Janice Williams, is the music what brought the two of you together? Yes, it was. I was then singing in a singing group and he was one of the musicians that were behind the group. And I kept looking at the bass player and I said, oh, he's kind of cute. Little did I know that all these years later, we would still be together, but that music connected us in the beginning, and that's how I met him. You've done the outdoor concert series. You started it in 2016. Were you guys able to sustain during the pandemic, or is this a big return for you all? We actually we returned last summer. Um, people were saying, hey, we're ready to get out, and we returned last summer. Our concert series was usually three concerts, so it was June, July, and August. So last year, we said we'd do one. And we did it in August. The reception was very good. In fact, it started raining. People pulled up their umbrellas and they just stayed and enjoyed the music. This year, we're doing two concerts. Um, hopefully, next year, we'll return to three. So on August 19th and September 16th, we'll be at the Rinse Nest. That's the third Friday. And we um, are just easing back into it. We're excited about performing again and presenting amazing talent to the people. And we're excited. We just want them to return and just enjoy music. And what we like about it, many of them, we have table settings and they come and they fix up these tables. I'm telling you, they got the china and candelabras. And we want you to just come out and just enjoy the evening with us over at the Rinse Nest. And what makes the Rinse Nest um, setting so nice is two and a half acres. And it's behind the home. And a lot of people don't know it's back there. So it's a nice, I like to say it's an intimate setting. But it's a nice, comfortable setting for you to just come. Those who want to do the lawn seating, bring your lawn chairs, your little baskets of food, and, and a very small table if you want to bring it. And just enjoy the music because we're going to have fun. We're going to have fun. Guys, what makes the art of jazz stand out from other genres of music? Ms. Williams, you already hinted at how much is sampled in current R&B and hip hop. What else? One thing about jazz that I'm learning, I'm, I've learned a lot about jazz from him, but one thing is the, the ability, the improvisation 
of jazz is exciting. So when I see him play and I, I know these musicians and I can tell we're there in that zone and they call it conversation. I call it the zone and the creation that, that, that magic that happens with the live music and those musicians are listening to each other and flowing with, with each other. And that's the aspect of jazz that I like that, the ability to improvise and create on the spot and still yet have a structure. And I, that's the part I love about jazz. He plays it, so I'll let him tell you how he feels playing it. Actually, uh, the jazz is a, it's a language all its own. Uh, it uh, originally, um, it, it's one of those uh, art forms that actually is more of a, a culture, you know, and, and it also has the, the uh, ability to draw people in that probably never really realized, you know, culturally, you know, what's going on musically. So jazz is one of those kinds of uh, art forms that is definitely an original. It is not, uh, it did not come from overseas. It did not come from another planet. It was right here in the United States and uh, the heritage and culture was right here uh, based in the United States of America. And I think uh, I forgot the year exactly. I think it was around 1973 or four where Congress actually, uh, named it at the uh, American Art Forum. How do people go about getting tickets to either of the shows, the one in August or the one in September? We would like them to visit our website at www.yesjazzmatters.org. But if they have any questions, they could call us at 404-474-1211. And go to our website and check out all the things that Jazz Matters does. We do our concert series, but we also do smaller concerts throughout the year. So please join our mailing list and see what we're doing in the city. We present amazing artists. We present a lot of younger artists. We presented um, the Tucker Middle School one year. We, um, what was the, the jazz band? We are part of our goal in our concert series is to always have a spot for young artists. And so we partner with performing art schools in Perry, Georgia, Marietta, Georgia, and the Atlanta community. And they bring their students to perform. And what happens for the students, they get a chance to meet and talk to seasoned musicians and they learn a lot. They learn from doing as opposed to being in a classroom. And many of the instructors say, we could teach them, but we can't teach them how to perform unless they get the opportunity to perform. And those are um, opportunities that we provide because Jazz Matters wants this art form to continue. Uh, we want to mentor artists. We want to give them a place to perform and perfect their craft because our, our goal is to preserve a musical culture, tradition, and art form, keeping jazz alive. And that's the mission of Jazz Matters. Jazz Indeed Matters. The nonprofit is Jazz Matters. The next concert coming up August 19th at the Wren's Nest. And again, give me that website one more time where folks can get tickets. It's www.yesjazzmatters.org. Now playing in select theaters and streaming on Amazon Prime is a remarkable film. The film is called The Lady Makers written, produced, and directed by Atlanta's Tony Tite and stars Atlanta's own Jasmine Guy, who joins us. Congratulations on the film. Many of the reviews I'm reading described your performance as an Oscar-worthy turn. Well, we'll see. I always try to do my best, you know? I just, I want to make whatever that person is believable. And so it's probably a little bit of me and a little bit of pretend. But um, this role as Emma in this piece was very, um, it's kind of heroic. She's a domestic 
for a Jewish family in Indianola, Mississippi. It doesn't dwell on the racism, but we already know what exists, you know, in the 50s and 60s and 70s. And um, she is the bridge between the older women and the younger women that they're trying to save. What drew you to this character? I was fascinated. I've always wanted to tell the story of how black and white women get along, especially in the South. I just don't think that story has been told enough. You know, because when everybody went to war in the Civil War, what happened? The white women didn't know how to run the plantation and the black women did. And they bonded for the their greater good, you know. Um, and the relationship between Jews and blacks is very interesting in that I'm a domestic for this Jewish family, but I had never seen white people like that. You know, I had only seen mean white people, racist white people. And I was like, what kind of a white lady is that? You know, when I was a little kid and I grew up and eventually worked for this family for decades. Film was shot here in Atlanta, correct? Yes, out in Hogansville. How excited is it? <laughs> Say that again. I said, do you know where that is? It's like past Noonan. I don't know. I didn't know where it was either. Cause they call Atlanta a whole bunch of things that I don't, I'm like, I don't call Snellsville Atlanta. That's why they call it Snellville. Having grown up here in Atlanta and had the remarkable career that you continue to have, how exciting is it for you to see that the film and television industry has really relocated to produce so many projects so that you can do the work that you enjoy and still go home at night? I'm thrilled. I had no idea. I don't think I had the vision when I left in 1979. So I graduated 1979 from Northside. My sister graduated 82. Um, and then she went on to go to Spelman. So she had more of an adult life here than I did. I basically graduated and went to Alvin Ailey School in New York. But I thought I would come home for six months. I had my baby in tow. I had just divorced. My parents were saying to me, you know, we need we need you to come home because we can't help you from, from here. You know, I was in LA. So I come here thinking literally I'll be here for six months and I've been here for 14 years. But you're home. I, I'm home. I feel loved and embraced. I'm not um, isolated anymore. I can give back to my community, the community that raised me, because I went to almost every uh, public school in Atlanta till they found Northside. I went to People Street and Magnus Jones, Collier Heights, Sutton. Sutton, when they first integrated, I was part of that first group that integrated Sutton Middle School and then Northside. You have so, seen a tremendous amount of change in this community. Uh, how do you take it all in? I love it. We are a very talented community. Um, my dream was to have a performing arts school here, you know, kind of like PA in, in um, fame, in the movie fame, you know, where you have your academics and your performing arts. But there are a lot of great performing arts schools here. Um, I don't need to reinvent the wheel, but it was Northside School of Performing Arts that saved me. At the time I went, there was a magnet school for performing arts. So there were kids from all over the city that were going there. 
and we were really good. Yep. And I really, I don't know. I got so much out of life when I, when I got to that school. Now, my other experiences in the schools that I went to were basically kind of socializing skills. Cause when we moved here, I was coming from New York and they made fun of the way I talked and of course being light skin and whatever, but I couldn't understand anybody. It was like another language when I moved down. And I think that's what gave me an ear for imitating because I used to imitate the black kids at my school, the white teachers at my school because their accent was foreign to me. And um, I think it helped with my acting. What can you tell us without giving everything away about the story? You've already said you're a domestic working for three Jewish women who are a bridge between one generation and the next. Yes, so these women are the last three out of 10. It was a, um, a circle of Jewish women that bonded together and made an oath to pour all of what they know into a younger woman before they leave this earth. So as they started dying off, they would take in young women. These particular women, these last three, take in these three um, detainees who um, I think one's prostitution, one's child abuse, the other one is um, selling heroin. And they interrupt their sentence by saying, give them to us for two months, let us, heal them and rehabilitate them. So it was an unusual program. And um, I'm in the middle of being the warden to these three badass kids, you know, and protecting my ladies. But the lady makers, as they um, believe and as they have sworn to do with each other, we will tell everything. We will pour all of our souls into these young girls but they were resistant in the beginning. So it wasn't all, you know, hunky-dory. <laughs> well, we're excited to see the film. I know that it is playing at the Aurora Theater in town, also available via streaming. What else have you got going on now that you have finished this film and it's out? Uh, I know I remember watching you, binge watching you in Harlem uh, last year. Uh, you guys are gonna be working on a second season, I hope. Yes, we are. Um, so I'm on Amazon Prime with The Lady Makers and Harlem, you can see all 10 episodes from first season. We're currently um, filming the second season. I have a good time doing Harlem and it's so beautiful. You know, when I walked on the set the first day, I said, oh, okay. Because you can tell right away the sense of a piece. Like on the page, I'm learning my lines. I know what you want from me, but when I got on the set and it was the set of the restaurant with all that beautiful artwork and it is celebrating Harlem, just like a different world celebrated HBCUs. It was an undercurrent. We didn't go around saying it all the time, but the, the college was always there. The, the Harlem, as we know it, and I lived there for many years, um, is beautiful. And, and we often seen dank, you know, um, downtrodden, um, not safe, you know. I was in New York when they wouldn't take you to Harlem in a cab. Yeah, so, and I, I understand, but I always loved it there. I love the people, I love the food. 
there were people in Harlem that used to um, not go below 125th Street. Like, I don't need to go down there. Everything I need is up here. You know, it is a community in and of itself. And I think that this series really celebrates the city without preaching about it because it's about these four girls, young girls. Well, young to me, cause I'm 60. They're in their thirties <laughs> and they are growing up in Harlem. It reminds me of um, me and my friends from New York. You know how your friends are different from the ones that you um, met doing a job in your thirties and somebody that knows you from when you first got off the boat, you know? And they know each other like that. There's a lot of love. They talk about relationships, career choices, um, in and out. And I play the mother to Grace Byers. And it's a joy working with her. I'm really mean. It's funny. As but hard it's a time mean. as you give Grace Byers as your daughter, it's the, you guys are, because you give her a hard time. I know. Sometimes I'm like, damn. If I ever said that to my real daughter, I would destroy her. I just, but that's the script that's on the funny. page, correct? It's very, yes, it's very um, well written, I have to say, because I don't have to ad lib or add anything extra. Um, one line I like was, and I know this is so irrelevant, but I say I have to go now to the, I'm Jamaican, I have to go now to the uh, Botox duck. And she says, oh, please, mom, you could um, bounce a quarter off your forehead. And I say, if only I have a quarter to bounce. I couldn't wait to say that. Because <laughs> she is an extravagant spender. Yes, of, of my money. Yes, exactly. So you can read me if you want to. But I just love um, the rapport. And I also love that um, They've deepened the, the storylines for the second season. All the characters are very interesting. Jasmine Guy, there was a time when, as an actor, especially as a female actor, if you achieved a certain amount of success and then reached a certain age, there was perhaps not as much work for you. Unless I'm mistaken, it seems as if, A, there are more women making decisions about projects that are being made and there is an abundance of work. Was that fair? That's fair. In your generation, well, you know, I've witnessed it um, as an older person, but we didn't have the options that you have. There certainly weren't this many channels. You know, I when I was on TV, there were three. I saw Fox come up. I saw the CW come up, you know, um, and then HBO and cable, I also witnessed. Now you have so many outlets, you have more opportunity, more people to pitch to, and also Shonda Rhimes and Lena Waite and Issa Rae. So you have bona fide filmmakers that are starring in their own productions and given a voice. I, know, I, I didn't really think I'd ever see that. And it's awesome. And it I'm glad they're hiring me, okay. So Tracy Oliver, thank you. It is an exciting time to do the work that you do and to be able to work in your hometown. Jasmine Guy, it's always lovely to see you. Thank you for making the time. The film is The Ladymakers. It is playing here in town. And as we said, it is available on Amazon Prime as well as you really should binge the show Harlem. She is hilarious as this 
mama from hell. That's all I'm going to say. <laughs> and you do it very well. Mama say mama sa mama kusa. Perspectives is a community and public affairs program produced with you in mind. If there's a guest or an issue you'd like to hear me explore, I hope you'd let me know. The easiest way to connect with me is on social media. Just slip me a DM or send me a message. Search Condes Presley on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter. And yeah, I know you're asking, how do you spell Condes? C-O-N-D-A-C-E. And Presley has two S's. That's P-R-E-S-S-L-E-Y. Friends, I appreciate your listening. Be sure to listen again next week at the same time as we explore new perspectives.